and welcome to Outside Inside Radio. I'm Kathy Foley-Meyer, your host, and I'm excited to be here today with James McDonald and Susie Tanner of Theater Workers Project. Susie is the founder and director of Theater Workers Project, and James McDonald is one of the lead teaching artists of the project, and he's also an actor, writer, and director. Welcome to you both. Very happy you're here. Hi, it's great to be here. Yep, delighted. So we're here today talking about one of their very special projects. It's called the D-Yard Audio Project. We're also going to experience some of the audio footage from that project. So how long have you worked on this particular project? How did it come about? During the pandemic, we were doing um, a number of different correspondence programs. We typically only work in a yard at Lancaster, but Erica Lake, the CRM, wanted us to do a program with B Yard. So we did multiple correspondence programs with A and B Yard simultaneously. And then we still had money left in our contract for that year. And so she asked us to do a project with the D Yard gentleman. And so that's how this project was developed. We did a short six-week correspondence program. We had actually been told that the gentlemen who we would be working with were not highly literate. Mm-hmm. And we were asked to reduce the complexity of the exercises. Once we got the first responses back, we realized that wasn't true at all. And they were actually not only highly literate, they were some of the strongest writers that we'd worked with at Lancaster. Basically, they receive the prompt and write something and then on actual paper and then... There were four of us, four Mm -hmm. teaching artists, four of the packets, and then we had three of us did the last two. Ruben Guevara uh, was with us for the first four, and Marlene McCurtis, who is another one of our lead teaching artists and our documentarian. She was with us for all six of the packets. Mm-hmm. We called it Theater Inside, colon, A Journey. And so we each developed writing prompts, and we had to send them in to the CRM to be vetted first. Right. And then once we were okayed, We printed them and created packets. Jim actually drove them to Lancaster. And Jim, you can talk about the process of how you dropped them off. This is a wonderful woman who works up at Lancaster, Lolita. You know, I would go once a week and just meet her, usually at the gate. And Susie would uh, print out all the exercises for that week. And we would do the exchange. She would give me the stuff that the men had from the week before, the, the stuff they had written. And I'd take that back and she'd take the new stuff. So I think it probably expedited the process of going through the mail and what their process of vetting what mail they get and stuff. So it worked pretty well, I think. Yeah. So the one that we're going to hear, what is the prompt? Well, this is a collage. Oh, I see. So once we had the writing from all six journeys, I asked Jim if he would be interested in being the editor and choosing the pieces. We had always planned to do this as an audio project. Mm -hmm. Typically, we do live performances and we film them. But obviously, we weren't going to be able to do that. Sometimes we have taken material, uh, like with the piece that was created several years ago called The Circle. That was material that was written 
by men inside and then performed as a visual theatrical collage and filmed, performed by some of the gentlemen with whom we had worked at Lancaster and then some guys that we had worked with in other reentry programs. So what we decided to do with this was create an audio project that would be performed by members of our Project Reframe, which is our ensemble made up of formerly incarcerated and justice impacted, mostly men at this point. So they were set to be the actors. And Jim, you can talk about the process and then how you ended up being one of the actors. Yeah. So Susie asked me if I wanted to kind of curate this project. And I was really excited to do it because the work had been so strong coming in. But I I was a little overwhelmed. So I had 80 pages of writing. Right. I needed just, you know, to get down to around 20 to kind of have something that was hopefully be under 20 minutes long, ideally 15 minutes. So that's how I started. And first of all, I, I looked in each writing prompt, what were the strongest poems that kind of popped out of each section? Because each, like Ruben had certain exercises and Susie did and I did and Marlene. And because they all were great prompts, I wanted to include everyone each had a couple prompts that we used. So I was able to kind of pull a couple poems from each teaching artist prompt and then just kept, you know, cooking it down like a sauce is kind of how I think about it. It just gets richer and richer. Reducing it to the essence. Yeah. So the hardest part really was to get it down to like 20 minutes, 15 minutes. And near the end, I sent it to Susie and she had some suggestions and we kept getting it smaller. And then the process was getting the actors, the men who actually we had worked with some of them on the inside and they, a couple of them had just been released and they were going to read the men's work. So get the work to them. And then they were going to come to my house. And my son um, is a recording artist and he was going to record them in my daughter's bedroom. He's off to college now became the recording studio. So it was a family affair and <laughs> we got the gentleman except one, which he had, there was some mix up of when he had to be there, <laughs> as happens. And, you know, we were on a pretty tight schedule because we were going to try to record, you know, everybody in one day, two hours a piece or something on one Saturday. So he couldn't make it. And I ended up kind of pinch hitting and, and filling in. You know, I was happy to do it. It actually worked out. But that's in a nutshell, how the piece kind of came together. And that's not talking about the images and the music that my son helped me. Right. I was actually going to ask about that. Who shot the images that are that I saw? It was a combination of my taking the men outside my home and shooting them in front of the house, just getting their faces. And then in the studio, you can tell when they're, they're, they're the microphone's there. There's a few shots of them recording it. So I put pictures there. And then just going online and finding stock footage that was you know free and felt appropriate to the material. So we just called those images in. And then my son and I um, went through and found music and you know tried to make that kind of slide movie visual so it kind of works together. It really sets the mood. Susie, I wanted to ask you, um, so what was the impetus for starting the Theater Workers Project? How did you get involved in doing this kind of work? Well, in 1982, I was co-teaching a writing workshop at CIM with a poet named Manasar, who was a well-known LA poet and figure kind of legendary. And he had served, I think, quite a long time in prison. And uh, he was a really interesting uh, person. And we were working under the auspices of LA Theater Works. At that time, they had one of the first 
artist in prison programs in California. And so we were called that they were due to write their new grant. And we were all, all the teaching artists were all called to a meeting. And I vividly remember this. This was upstairs at Beyond Baroque in Venice. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I can still see it. It's just vivid <laughs> in my mind. And the Susan Lohenberg and the other heads of the program were asking us what could be improved, what did we think the strong points were, what problems did we have. And I never even knew that somebody could write a grant to do work that one wanted to do. I'd never written a grant proposal in my life. You know, I was fairly young, not a teenager, but I was much younger than I am now. And I had a passion for, I was working in an anti-nuclear uh, campaign with other labor union representatives. Mm -hmm. And I was the delegate, quote unquote, from the SAG Legislative Committee to this labor committee. And I got to know a lot of former steel workers and a lot of industrial workers. And I was very influenced by the work of Bertolt Brecht. And I really wanted to create a play with industrial workers, not about them, right. but with them. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, well, heck, I'm going to write my own grant never having written a grant with three days till the deadline, <laughs> I ran around the city getting a sponsor, which was the Steelworkers Old Timers Foundation in Southeast LA. You know, you always think of shut down steel mills as being in Pittsburgh, yeah. but actually the second largest diversified industrial sector in the world outside of the Ruhr Valley in Germany existed in Southeast Los Angeles. Wow. In the communities of Vernon, Huntington Park, Southgate, yeah. you had um, steel, rubber, auto, GM Southgate, Goodyear Rubber, Bethlehem Steel, which was the community that I was linked up with. And the plant had closed in 1982, and the Union Hall had been turned into a food bank. And the Steelworkers Old Timers Foundation, which was based in... Ontario, mm -hmm. became my sponsor. I wrote a grant, an artist in communities grant, and I got it. And I got the grant to do a project with unemployed steelworkers. And that was the beginning of Theater Workers Project. I worked with a group of 20 former steelworkers. And mm -hmm. then ultimately, we had six men from Bethlehem Steel. I met actually met my husband, Frank Curtis, through this program. He had been a former steel worker and at the time was working for Pacific Bell. Thank goodness he wasn't an unemployed actor. <laughs> yeah. We, we have health insurance to this day because of his retiree status. But I did work with a number of different professional artists, writers. Mm -hmm. Rob Sullivan became ultimately the playwright. We developed material based on the men's stories. Mm -hmm. um, and Bruce Springsteen became involved with this project. Alma Martinez, who is a wonderful actor, she was a visiting artist. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Alma's father worked at GM Southgate. I'm pretty sure that that was her connection. Mm -hmm. There was another actress named Claire Malice, who was a colleague of mine at the Ensemble Studio Theater LA. Her father had worked 
in the steel industry in Gary, Indiana. So she became involved with the project. We had a lot of people who were really um, involved. Actors, Daryl um, Larson became the director of the play. Tony Abetamarco, who's another actor, well-known actor in town. He was one of the teaching artists. A lot of wonderful people supporting this program. Mm -hmm. But I held fast to the notion that I wanted the men from Bethlehem Steel to be the act. And they were. Where did you do your first production? Uh, The first performance was at the Union Hall. And we had guests. Ed Asner was there. Uh, John Randolph was a very well-known actor at the time. He was there. And Bruce Springsteen became involved. And his folks said, this play is really important. You should check it out. So we were performing it at the Ensemble Studio Theater LA, which was at that time located on Oxford at the old Oxford Playhouse. And we performed it there, we did a run, and Bruce came and saw it and he said, come on over, I wanna talk to you. We went to his house and he offered us $20,000. He says, wanna do a tour. So we actually ended up doing a 16 city tour of this play. We went all over the Northeast. We went to Steel Towns. We went to Warren, Ohio. We went to Minnesota. We went to the oh. Iron Range. <laughs> all of these plants were closing. Right. And we performed this off and on for two years. Wow. And so that was the beginning of Theater Workers Project. And I spearheaded along with Rob Sullivan and other artists who are working with me. We created plays with striking meat packers Mm -hmm. in Austin, Minnesota. How did it get into arts and corrections? So while we were doing Lady Beth, Mm -hmm. I still had a connection to CIM, California Institution for Men, men. which is in Chino. So we actually went there and did a performance for the men at Chino. We performed uh, Lady Beth for them, which was what the play was called, because the men really, that was their love, you know, was Bethlehem Steel was this kind of like a, like a woman. They right. spent more time at the mill than they did at home. And they worked there, some of these men, for 30 years, 35 years, you know, and then they were all, then it closed and they were just like bereft. It was like their girlfriend had dumped them. So I continued on to do work with Theater Workers Project, but I also was doing theater workshops for a variety of arts and corrections organizations. And then all of the arts and corrections evaporated Mm. from the prisons, right? Right. For years, there was nothing. And then in 2015, I was in another iteration of the Ensemble Studio Theater, and I heard about this Arts and Corrections Conference that was going to take place in San Francisco at the University of San Francisco. And I became really interested once again in doing work inside. And I collaborated with some of the EST members to write uh, a response to the RFP. We didn't get the contract, but we were interesting enough to be invited to the conference. And actually, that's where we met Annie, because she was also at that conference. Annie Buckley of Prison Arts Collective. Yeah. She was just going to start her program. And a couple of years later, we wrote another a response to the RFP, and we were funded to go to Lancaster. And so we've been there ever since. 
And in the meantime, Marlene McCurtis and I had done some guest workshops at Valley State for the Youthful Offender Program. And here we are. And I did want to say that one of the beautiful things about this Still Here audio project is that I really wanted to find a way for the men to collaborate with each other, but with other men at the institution. And, you know, that's frowned upon. Yes. Not supposed to get together to do anything. And that's all part of our work. So I asked permission from Annie and the Prison Arts Collective to use some images as writing prompts. And we were connected with a number of different visual images that artists in your program had done. One of them, coincidentally, had been done by John Hurd, who is was one of our participants in theater, it was also a visual artist. And I use some of these images as writing prompts. So there's a connection there. And that to me was very moving. Yeah. James, I wanted to just ask you what sort of inspired you to get involved in this kind of work. That's a really good question. You know, I was in the Big Brother program. Mm -hmm. Um, My background was from kind of a broken, you know, split family and things. And my mother was very involved in social work uh, when I was a child, Planned Parenthood and those programs. And, I, and it was kind of instilled in me as a kid from her, like, to give back. And so right. I'd always kind of felt that. And I had been at a point where I had enough success as an actor, a writer, that I really wanted to share what I had learned because I felt it was such a healing art. You know, well, all, all arts, right? Right. And I had gotten so much. So I was at the theater that Susie was in and they put out, you know, they put out an email asking if anybody wanted to, to do this. And I immediately said, yeah, if this is going to happen, I'd love to. And then I met Susie and we've been working together ever since, but that's how I got into it. Yeah. Speaking of healing. So when I listened to Still Here, there was one line that really almost, well, it did actually bring me to tears. It was, I dream of a world where I am loved. Mm. And, you know, you start to think about just the creative process is is a journey of self-discovery. And you can hear that in Still Here, people kind of getting to know themselves in a different way and sort of seeing themselves in a different way. And when you hear a line like that, you wonder if that could have happened, you know, maybe that person wouldn't have wound up behind bars. But can you talk a little bit about the healing process that happens and what it's like to be an artist? witnessing that process? I mean, obviously, since you're doing it through correspondence, it's it's kind of different, you know, this time, but, but still you are kind of witnessing the healing creative process. What does that feel like as an artist? Well, for me, because I'm not a writer, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a theater person. Right. And so my prompts were, were always uh, either visual or asking them to create a mask or um, make a gesture. And because we couldn't see them in this correspondence time, I was always really deeply moved by the small moments that came across in responses to the prompts that I did, but also their responses to the writing teaching artists. To hear individuals who had experienced such deep trauma be able to transform that horror into something beautiful was just moving to me. I mean, I would just, my heart would swell. There was this one gentleman who wrote about the wounds that he had, and he talked about, and I'm badly paraphrasing, but he had been a gang member and he had decided to leave the gang. And this was huge in his life. And he said, when he takes a shower, he looks down at the 27 stab wound scars all over his stomach and 
how he's going to go forward and overcome this. And I just, it's just like remarkable to me that people who have suffered this huge trauma can, can remain optimistic and go forward. And when Jim first started working with us, we were only doing a reentry work. We were working Mm -hmm. with Dad's Back Academy at in Watts and Jim joined us there. And then he was working with us with the lifers program at the Francisco homes. So we had worked with men who had served these long, long sentences, and yet they came out. And I would say the majority of them, well, they're the most self-realized, self-actualized people I've ever met because they have to do that to get out, right? Right. The dignity, the humanity, and the optimism that so many of these gentlemen had for themselves moved me and taught me a lot. I've learned as much as I've taught by going into prisons and working with these guys. I've learned as an artist, I've learned to be a better collaborator. I've learned to slow down and really listen, but I've also learned an enormous amount of patience and humor. (laughs) You know, they're funny. They, They, they're able to laugh at situations and chill out at things that just make me crazy. And I'm, I'm monopolizing the conversation. Jim, you should talk. <laughs> no, you're not. I could talk about this forever, you know. <laughs> I love your insights. I guess what was really inspiring to me is, you know, and it's a cliche thing to say, but what I really, the truth is we are more alike than we are different. And when you get in with a room of whoever it is, and you start sharing experiences from your heart, just what, you know, when you start writing about simple things, taking simple prompts, we all have this simple basic needs to be loved, seen, heard, felt, you know, it's not complicated. Right. And we make it so complicated. And each time I go in this situation, and I know nothing about these people, and they know nothing about me. I'm so amazed within 10 to 15 minutes of maybe a breathing exercise and a, a funny warm up game and one prompt how all of a sudden our energy shifted and we are like a small community immediately. There's this trust that's there. And that to me makes makes me emotional because it's like, that's what this world is about. It's about connecting right. with people and seeing. And the beautiful thing is, is a lot of these men have never written or acted. And so they're really like, what they look at us when we walk in and like, what did I get myself into? And they're kind of terrified. <laughs> right. You know, and we say, okay, well, this isn't an acting class. And, we, you know, just, tr- and they, and they start to trust the process. And once they just put a couple lines on the page and they, and they read it out loud and they look around the room and they look at their brothers and sisters going, wow, man, that was amazing. You wrote two lines and said the truth about yourself at 11 years old and you made me cry. And right. so just, I'm continually inspired and awakened. And, uh, you know, Susie says that you are humbled and it, it really is a privilege because to work with this group of people, because they have had to do an amazing amount of work in solitude sometimes for years and in difficult situations. So um, you do end up learning. Yeah. Thank you so much, James and Susie. I really want to thank you. We're going to listen to a bit of Still Here. and uh, But I want to thank you both for coming and sharing this piece of work with us. It's a really an amazing work, and I'm excited for our audience to hear it. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a privilege. Yes. Thanks so much for having us. Theater Workers Project presents... Poems and writings by residents of California State Prison 
Los Angeles County's D-Yard, developed during 2021 correspondence workshops. Still here. I am Raphael the Convict. Damodar's a smart ass. Angelo the Great. Antonio the Addict. Tim struggles to be Raphael the Bodybuilder. Damodar's a baller. Angelo the Survivor. Miles a strong man. Antonio the Joker. Tim wants to prove he's not the same. Raphael the Romantic. Damodar's a business man. Angelo the Addict. Miles a black man. Antonio the Hard Worker. Tim is a Survivor. Raphael the Damodar's Romantic. Angelo the Reliable. Miles a brother. Antonio the Open-Minded. Tim was abused as a child. Raphael. The sad face clown. Census. Angelo Carrera. Title. Dream come true. Sounds like something you've been waiting for. Taste like your favorite food. Smells like your favorite fruit. Feels like the best love you ever had to the touch. Antonio Madrid. Title. Death. Sounds like the bones from a grave. Tastes like the dirt which covers me. Smells like the rotting of flesh. Feels like the nothingness of death to the touch. Rafael Torres. Title, Only the Strong Survives. Freedom. Sounds like noise. Tastes like bitterness. Smells like death. Feels like pain to the touch. Known as a number. Timothy Risley. I may be known as a number, but I am actually more than anyone can see. All they care about is that I'm still here when they do their count, and they never take the time to think of me. I feel like an animal at a zoo people stop to stare at me and move on to the next thing they want to see. They don't see any of the changes I've made or my years of sobriety. I'm here, and if you really want to know me, give me an opportunity and you'll be surprised to see I'm so much more than what you expected me to be. The eye begins to see. Raymond Anglin, title, Shutting Down. With one click, followed by confirmation, my overloaded system proceeds shutting down. No recollect of previous 60 seconds, just deep breaths and darkness. I'm nothing, shutting down. Anthony James, title, What's Done in the Dark Shall Come to Light. Who is that? Who's there? The sun's not up yet. The shadows aren't even quiet. No soft silhouettes creeping across the all-white walls of a house full of secrets. Black stains on the outside, viewed by everybody looking inside from the outside. Silence becomes the gatekeeper, guarding all the inner secrets. Miles Gates, title, Love. Love is everlasting. Love is never masking. Love, there is no need for asking. 
Love is you, love is me, love is he, love is she. You can find love in everything. Images. Damador Chandradas. A spark of light, a spark of hope, with a touch of love so the heart can cope. A spark of light, in time it'll grow. Heart thumping with hope as my blood flows. Hope to manifest my dreams into reality. Fill up my future with my harvest. Bite into my fantasy. Hope, a breath of fresh air. Living in your heart, so treat it with care. Jose Rivas. My incarceration is desolation. Like lungs without air, like body without heart. My pain is bitter, dead while living, blind but experiencing everything. Body without spirit, like a ghost in a shell. M. Jason McCoy, title, Victim of the State. Cry, though I strive, I'll kick him back in this cage. So painful I rage, watching my innocence fade. Grays fill my days, can't see clouds or feel rays. Thousands of people just like me on these yards wearing shades. Dreams see me bubble, no more struggles or troubles. Open my eyes, watch them crumble. Beating these walls with my knuckles. Can't laugh, so I chuckle. Emotions deeper than puddles. While my family looks out, sending 30-pound bundles. And while stressed for certain, I lie when I'm hurting. Taking shits behind sheets, I put up for curtains. This life is straight hell, and I scream as loud from my cell. Yet no one hears, because in my cell, I still dwell. No one will be left out. A group poem. Stay solid. Never fold. I'm alive, love. Laughter heals everything. I'm all I have. The peace is always missing. Out with the old, in with the new, other's self. Lay your head on my chest. Listen, what does my heart say? I'm here, still here, still here. Hopes and dreams. Daniel Gallegos. I dream a world where there are no walls to limit me, where I can succeed and be free. Told my past I need to change if I want out this cage. It's been over a decade plus since I've been inside. Looked in the mirror and seen growth in my eyes. I can't wait to take a deep breath of freedom from the other side. That's the world I dream of from inside. The world I dream of from inside from inside. Still Here. Conceived and produced by Susan Franklin Tanner. Written by Raymond Anglin, Damodar Chandradas, Angelo Carrera, Daniel Gallegos, Miles Gates, Anthony James, Antonio Madrid, M. Jason McCoy, Timothy Risley, Jose Rivas, Rafael Torres. Performed by Alan Burnett, Howard James, Billy Hardwood, and James McDonald. Curated, edited, and directed by James McDonald. Teaching artists Susan Franklin Tanner, Merlene McCurtis, 
Ruban Guevara, and James McDonald. Workshop support in dramaturgy, Lauren Campadelli. Sound engineer, Drake McDonald. Special thanks, Erica Lake, Lolita Burleson, Jamie Taplin, Annie Buckley, and the Prison Arts Collective. Photographs, James McDonald, and Courtesy Unsplash. This project was funded by the California Arts Council's Arts in Correction Program. Outside Inside Radio is brought to you by Prison Arts Collective. Prison Arts Collective is founded on the belief that art is a human right and is dedicated to bringing the transformative power of the arts to people experiencing incarceration. Our collaborative teaching teams include faculty, students, staff, and peer facilitators inside the prisons. Our classes include art making, art history, reflection, and the cultivation of a safe space. We are based at San Diego State University and partner with universities including UC Irvine and Cal State University campuses in Humboldt, Fullerton, and San Bernardino. Prison Arts Collective is a project of Arts in Corrections, an initiative of the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Outside Inside Productions are a way to communicate with our participants and with the wider public through video and other media as an extension of our distance learning project created in response to COVID-19. Each of our guests is involved in bringing the arts to people experiencing incarceration. Many are returned residents who continue to pursue a creative life or artists working directly with incarcerated populations to expand access to the arts. A special thanks to MIGFUS20 and RTB45 for the music used in the podcast. Take good care and see you next time on Outside Inside. Outside Inside.